Let's get it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Let's get it. Let's get it. You hear the music, that's Rock and Royal by DJ Mixmasters, Cody Epps and Malik Moore. Uh, pre-orders available on Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, you can get the full track right now over on Bandcamp, bandcamp.com slash KooConnect. Thanks for our, our friends at KooConnect for making that available to us. Go support them. Shout out to those guys. But by hearing that, you know that this is the Cougar Beat Podcast on KSL.com. I'm your host, Sean Walker, bringing you every week news, insights, analysis, and interviews with people in and around the BYU Athletic Department, players, coaches, administrators, fans, media, uh, both insiders and outsiders. We cover it all. And speaking of the ultimate outsider, um, I'm joined this week by sports editor emeritus of the on-campus universe. Um, That's the student newspaper over at BYU, which I just found out is apparently no longer a weekly. Uh, Mr. Caleb Turner, explain yourself and your former colleagues <laughs> at the universe. Okay, first of all, how, how am I the ultimate outsider? Okay, maybe because I live in Salt Lake County now. Okay, I'll take that. Um, but yeah, um, previously over at the universe, uh, it's been a while since I've been talking BYU, talking Royal, talking Navy. Um, but uh, happy to be here. Yeah, the universe... Uh, Technically, not even a newspaper anymore. It is uh, an online media network, I guess you could say. Uh, that's how my friend and replacement Jackson Payne would like to think of it. Um, but it also they also produce a monthly magazine now. Um, so if you're around BYU campus, make sure you check out uh, the magazine they have on stands around yeah, there. Go now. pick, go pick up that, uh, go pick up that magazine in honor of our friends up the way at Utah Valley. We're just going to rebrand that news source as DUX. Yes, thank you. That, yeah. That's what I've been saying. D-U-X. Yep. D-U-X. Yeah, yep. ducks. Ducks it is. Um, good thing BYU doesn't play at ducks this year, right? And don't talk to Mark Pope about ducks. Yeah, we won't talk to Mark Pope about, about ducks. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Pope. Yeah, always, uh, always. Uh, it's not basketball season, though, Caleb. I invited you on because it is officially football season. Week one, week zero is in the books. Shout out to Utah State. Um, and that big win over UConn up in Ogden. Um, but week one is here. Utah State's going to be going to Alabama. Utah's going to be going to Gainesville to take on Florida. And BYU will be in Tampa taking on the Bulls of South Florida this Saturday, uh, September 3rd. That's 4 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. Mountain for those in God's time zone on ESPNU. You can listen to it also on BYU Radio. And Caleb, what are what are just some of your first instincts kind of your gut reaction to week one right now oh boy uh first of all i can't believe it's here i feel like it kind of snuck on snuck up on us as it always does um yeah i mean september is this week right and september means football apparently september also means pumpkin spice and halloween candy is out um and yeah it means BYU football so uh you know i think it's only right you know between us sean as we would do many times in the BYU press box gotta talk, talk about the the betting lines right um byu uh minus 12 favorite right now 12 point favorite how about that uh almost almost two touchdowns two tutties it feels like Uh, a lot of points to me it it does and you know what i think we also have to look at that over under uh because as we as we all know here at ksl.com sports whatever sean walker takes smash the opposite so uh, 
Hashtag fade Sean. So we're at over under 58. 58 on this BYU USF week one game down in Florida. That does not feel like a lot of points to me. Yeah. That does not are... feel like a lot of points. BYU, BYU minus 12 feels like a lot. Yeah. Uh, but over under 58 does not feel like a lot. So, so we're, we're just hammering that over, huh? Yeah. So I'm going to take that over. I'm going to take USF to, I might take USF to cover in there, um, which means y'all should definitely bet BYU to cover <laughs> and hammer the under because that's how this works. Uh, this, how this, this is, this is not uh financial advice, not, not financial we, advice. We, we cannot be giving that out on this nope. podcast. Um, not not but... financial advice and not even betting advice. This is like the opposite <laughs> of betting advice, just so you are aware. Um, but it's part of the game now. So that's, certainly, that's certainly. a lot of fun. What what do you think? Like, like, do you think, does, does that 12 point swing though? Does that feel like a big swing? I mean, this is a game that uh, just last year, BYU and South Florida played, and this was a seven point game, like mm. pretty much the entire way, certainly going into the fourth quarter. Um, obviously BYU holds on pretty well. They're not seriously threatened past that seven points, but it was still a seven point game, right? Yeah, no, I think it's, that's really uh, important looking back at last year's meeting. Um, I, I would not be surprised if it's somewhere similar in that, in that range. I think 12 is probably a bit much, um, but you know, um, and, and I would actually factor in, you know, BYU going on the road to this offense. I'm sure we'll go into this a, a lot more later on in the podcast um the offense has a extremely high ceiling you know and yep. the defense as well bringing back as many people as they did um but you know going on the road this is not going to be you know the BYU Virginia shootout we saw at Lavelle Edwards Stadium last year you know it's um it's the first game of the year they'll be you know ironing out some wrinkles i'm sure we don't even know the yeah, full the, the full health of this team who all is going to be on the field which i'm sure we'll talk about as well so I think, you know, betting on this BYU offense being in midseason shape in week one, that's a tough bet. Um, so, yeah, I think I think maybe go on taking that under and uh, and taking USF to cover. That's uh, not a bad idea. Uh, yeah, just 12, 12 and a half points just feels it feels like a big spread for BYU. Uh, Aaron Roderick, because I know you're listening to this podcast. Consider that a challenge. Um, go ahead. If you want to pin this on the bo- locker room, you know, go win by 30, whatever. That's fine. Um, I'm over all of that stuff right there. But that 12 points feels like a lot based off of what we know about these two teams. And you're right, Caleb, because this is this is a BYU team that has the most overall returning experience in college football, in the in, in the NCAA, um, according to Bill Connolly's SP Plus ratings and returning production metrics that he posts on ESPN.com and ESPN Plus every year. Um, in theory, this BYU team should be very good. And I think one thing that we learned coming out of fall camp, uh, certainly, is that this offense, and in particular, this offensive line should be very good. I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I really think the strength of this BYU team is going to be comprised in that offensive line. We talked to Daryl Funk, offensive line coach, a couple of times during fall camp, trying to figure out what his rotations are. Um, He's a pretty experienced coach. He said he likes to usually have like a five, six, maybe a seven-man rotation, kind of condense it as much as possible, just because O-line is all about chemistry and getting to know one, one another's tendencies and that sort of thing. Um, but he said multiple times that he's not sure he's ever going to be able to boil down this line to just five or six players. It's probably more like an eight to nine or 10, maybe even an 11 man rotation on that O line. Um, 
That's that's just insane to hear. I mean, yeah. the, the potential of having ten or eleven offensive line eleven starters on a team that's in college. Like what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's absolutely wild. I mean, here let's let's run down the list right here because I I think the two most submitted spots are left tackle and left guard. You've got Blake Freeland, an NFL draft prospect at left tackle. Clark Barrington, preseason All American at left guard. Uh, Campbell Barrington and Tyler Little will be the two backups at that position. That's probably the most set far and away because the rest of the line, even at center, which surprises me a little bit, the rest of the line is littered with oars on the depth chart. So at center, you've got uh, Connor Pay, the incumbent, only a sophomore, Lone Peak product, competing with Joe Tukuafu, the uh, fifth-year senior out of out of East High, converted tight end over there. Um, Tukuafu is also battling for the starting spot at right guard alongside Campbell Barrington, who we mentioned is also the backup left tackle behind Blake Freeland. And then a right tackle, we could have anyone from Harris Lachance to Kingsley Suamataya to Braden Kime filling in at that position. Um, so I things mean, aren't very a, settled. That's already nine or 10 names just there that you just named, right? Is it with that 10? Yeah, right there. That's that's uh, so one, two, three. There are a couple of repeats here. So let me one, two, three, four, five, six, uh, seven, eight, nine names right there. Nine, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you add in guys like Sam Daw, another backup center out of Spanish Fork and Idaho State transfer who's been working his way into the mix. Yeah, I mean, you you easily get to, to 10 or 11 names pretty easily. But right off the bat, yeah, yeah. eight or nine guys that should be rotating in. Um, and I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily because all yeah. of these players, like if you don't have somebody, offensive line is the most important position um, in football, in my opinion. I know a lot of people are going to say quarterback, maybe a stud, a stud linebacker or a, a workhorse running back. Sure, fine, you can make you can make an argument for those guys, but everything really does start up front. If you don't have the right protection for your QB, if you don't give your receivers time to get downfield, if you don't block in front of that stud running back, um, nothing else really matters. So that is the most important part of the field. And if you've only got five or six guys that you really trust to play consistently, that's fine. I think that's where Coach Funk is kind of coming from. But if you've got eight, nine, ten guys who you feel like you can throw in at any moment, I don't think that's a bad thing either necessarily. And I think um, maybe drinking a little bit of Kool-Aid here. I don't know. Hit us up uh, in the comments on this episode. Leave us a rating or review if you totally, totally disagree with me. But I think that's what BYU has right here. I think they just have that much talent on the offensive line. And it's it's a little bit of a return to – kind of what made those BYU teams under legendary coach Lavelle Edwards such a staple in the top 25 in the past. We know Kalani Satake is a Lavelle guy, obviously. Um, offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick as well. Um, like, like everything from the old quarterback U really started with French's Legion, the offensive line uh, led by offensive line coach Roger French and others of course, in the trenches. But I, I think this is a good place to sort of base your entire team around. No, certainly. And, and you know, part of my job, as you as you mentioned, you know, working with social media uh, for KSL.com sports is getting to kind of read through everybody's stories and pick out some quotes that we'd like to post on, on social media, and especially on, on Instagram to kind of, you know, promote our stories, right? And, and one of these quotes that really stood out to me that I ended up putting on an Instagram post was from Jaron Hall. 
Um, obviously, quarterbacks know better than anybody the importance um, and the love for their offensive line, right? Jaron says, it's no secret, you know, that that's the strength of our team and always has been, talking about the BYU offensive line. I mean, you look back at just these last couple of years, beginning with that 2020 season with Zach Wilson, um, a, a fantastic offensive line, multiple NFL draft picks. Um, and, and I think, you know, coming into this year, um, I mean, that that's what you want, right? Especially in a position like offensive line where, there's usually a decent amount of injuries. Um, guys are, are getting beat up. You want people that can come in and replace uh, starter minutes to ha- have that experience, right? And, you know, there's not, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, preseason All-American, those kinds of things, right, with guys like Freeland. Um, I'm not sure there's ever a lot of things that go under the radar or underhyped in the BYU sports community. But the fact that this team was ranked in the preseason, number 25, I feel like that's somehow going a little bit under the radar. Like how I, you would think that BYU fans would be shouting that from the rooftops um, going in, into this week one matchup. I mean, first time since 2009. 2009. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, a big part of that certainly is the offense in general, but what this offensive line has brought not only this year, but the last two years um, to this BYU program. Yeah, and a lot of similarities on this BYU team, starting with the returning starting quarterback, whose last name is Hall. Uh, obviously, some really good wide receivers, a workhorse running back in Cal transfer, Christopher Brooks. Um, there's a pretty decent running back that you may remember on that 2009 team, who's also coaching the uh, running backs now. Um, and I, I think those, I think Max Hall and all of those guys would agree as well with Jaron's statement that it really does start up front. It's really that offensive line. Um, That's where BYU is. Um, Moving to the overall offense, this BYU team ranked number 17 nationally last year in total offense, according to the NCAA rankings. Obviously, a lot of that was Tyler Algier, who's now with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, But they're still projected to finish inside the top 25 um, on offense, according to ESPN's preseason SP plus rankings, that's obviously significantly better than the defense, um, which finished last year ranked 74th in the nation. Although they were arguably hit, well, I don't even know if it's really that arguable, but but they they were certainly hit harder and maybe even significantly harder by injuries last year with guys like Keenan Peely, Peyton Wilgar. Um, etc. Ben Bywater playing like three or four different positions in the linebacking core um, all over the place. So I, I think there were a lot of reasons why the defense maybe didn't perform as well as some fans would have liked or even would have expected last year. And I think that should be a little bit better. If that defense is even somewhat better than it was last year, and this BYU offense is able to simply maintain, like just maintain, not necessarily get better, but just maintain, could we be in for another 10 win season? Out of I, mean, that, I think that's my prediction. There were, there was, there's been some polls put out these, these last few days. Um, and my gut reaction went with 10, 10 and two. Um, I, I think that's certainly possible uh, with, with what's returning. I'm a little he- hesitant. I initially picked this BYU team to go eight and four. I'm backing down from that a little bit. I think nine and three is probably a little bit more likely. It's a really tough schedule. Uh, I think that Notre Dame game in Vegas is going to be key, but I think 10 wins is certainly very possible. Um, I totally agree with you right there. Uh, a couple more news and notes out of fall camp. Um, the uh, the biggest, we'll say, kind of starting spot battle, I think, was at strong safety. 
That, that has been won officially by Ammon Hanneman, who will be that starting strong safety next to free safety Malik Moore when things kick off Saturday against USF. Uh, this BYU defensive backfield, and we don't have to spend too much time on this, Caleb, but maybe I'll get your thoughts on it, is it's as deep as I can ever remember it. Going, We talk about the offensive line going 8, 9, 10, maybe even 11 guys deep. I think this defensive backfield could be could be just as good. I mean, obviously, Amin Hanneman leading the strong safeties with Micah Harper behind him. And then walk-on and former Orem product Ethan Slade making a nice run for playing time, which is a little bit surprising. Malik Moore and Hayden Livingston at free safety. Um, and then the cornerbacks. Well, there is legitimate uh, Division One, even Power 5 starting capability on this cornerback roster. And some of it may be coming off of the bench. Like, think about the last time we've been able to say that about this BYU defensive backfield. I don't know if we ever have been, but it starts obviously with Dilo Mandel. He's your senior. He's kind of the leader of that group uh, with Jacob Robinson and Jacob Boren on one side of the room. And then Oregon State transfer Caleb Hayes is kind of the incumbent on that other spot. With Vanderbilt transfer Gabe Judy Lally, we heard from him a little bit last week on the podcast coming in. Uh, and then two really standout freshmen, um, in uh, in fall camp in Chica Ebunoja and Corbin Green battling for that spot behind the two E5 transfers at cornerback. Caleb, is, how how deep do you think the secondary can roll this year at BYU? No, it, it's big time, certainly. And I think, you know, one of the one of the emphases going into Big 12 play for BYU is just having that elite competition at every single position, right? And so I think, you know, we, we've seen, obviously, BYU has had success at the quarterback position, offensive line, um, you know, linebacker, running back, whatever it might be for for several years. And so I think to break in and really kind of set the standard for what um, DBs have to look like at BYU going to the Big 12 is, is huge for this team. And it's kind of cool for me to see, you know, the growth of this group, um, you know, guys like Malik Moore um, coming in. Um, actually, is, is, is Malik still with the team? Sorry, I need to double check on that. He's, he's your starting free safety. So I hope okay, so. thank you. Thank you. Sorry. They're, they're, as you mentioned, there's so much depth and, and so many names that I need, I need to double check on some of these guys. But Malik came in um, in 20, 2018 with with Zach Wilson, Gunnar Romney, Dax Mill and that whole group. Um, and I I did, uh, you know, that was back when I was working with the athletic department and did a bunch of kind of features on these guys. So it's been cool to see kind of just the growth and development of, of that that class of, of recruits and to get to this point that they're at now leading this team um, is huge shout out to a guy like Ammon Hanneman you know to to get to lock up that spot he's also got a very a name that kind of rolls off the tongue there Ammon Hanneman and Hanneman it just you know it just kind of kind of rolls together right shout out to the entire uh, Hanneman clan the Lone Peak certainly. legends yes I'm actually very good uh, friends with one of their cousins Landon so uh shout out Landon Hanneman um but also we'll get him on the podcast soon one 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 more one more DB shout out uh my boy Jacob Boren uh we were uh, in the same elders quorum, same ward down in Provo uh, just this past year. And I, I always knew it was a uh, spring ball slash summer uh, training time when um, he'd be rocking a mullet um, as, as, as a lot of the guys on the team tend to do during the off season. Um, but then he would make sure it was nice and cleaned up for the season. So yeah, shout out Jacob board. He had a nice, he had a nice uh, kind of came on a couple games last season, yep. um, had some special teams plays and stuff like that. So um, you know, when you can have a guy like him, you know, as a, as a, as a third stringer, right. And have guys, yeah. um, you know, like quite a bit of depth as, as you mentioned. So it's definitely one of those positions that, 
Um, it's tough, you know, to have consistency and depth there, and especially at a school like BYU, but they're, they're doing it. Um, and, and it's really key. And, you know, this last year of independence to really set that standard. Yeah. Jacob Oren, one of the coolest stories out of BYU recently too. former walk in former walk on comes in five foot nine, 180 pounds, barely looks it. Um, just totally unexpected, like not even a preferred walk on. He was a straight up walk on, like tried out for the football team. I think got cut his first year, uh, and then just kind of came back, kept coming back, eventually made it to the practice squad. And then through all the injuries last year, coaches have to play him. And all of a sudden he is, he is a pretty significant part of this defensive backfield that runs two, three, sometimes even four deep at some spots. I think we're going to see a lot of him. Um, particularly in nickel this year alongside Jacob Robinson, and then maybe even backing up somebody like D'Lo Mandel um, or even on the other side with Caleb Hayes and Gabe Judy loudly as well. Um, what uh, What's the biggest question, Caleb, about this BYU team as we sit? We're about... 84 hours from game time. I just made that number up off the top of my head, but very, I think that's actually pretty close. Very precise. I yeah. Uh, what's, what's the biggest question out of this team, do you think, before we head to Saturday? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's got to be just health overall, which that was going to be one of my biggest takeaways from fall camp as well. Um, I know it was mentioned pretty pretty early on during camp that um, a lot of the returning starters and, you know, quote-unquote older players, even though we're talking about 23 24 year old guys right they're not old by any means um but there's a little bit of like load management for lack of a better term going on mm-hmm. um with, with you know holding guys out of certain practices the nfl and, calls them veterans days yeah thank you thank you yeah um in, in an effort you know to to avoid injuries during fall camp and it seems like for the most part they were successful you know kalani Sataki mentioning i believe you're you're gonna play a little bit of this as well but um, you know, mentioning that there were no season ending injuries, right, which which is key. Um, but I think overall, you know, as has unfortunately become the case with BYU over the last several years is, is health is paramount. I mean, if you don't have a healthy BYU team, you don't have a good BYU team. Um, and Jaron Hall, you know, yet to play a full season. I think a lot of people are forgetting he didn't even play in the bowl game last year. Um, yeah. You know, this this is, you know, his first game since uh, since USC possibly uh um, yeah so, he wasn't even fully healthy against usc yeah. yeah so you know that's that's a that's a big you know you could even say jaron hall's a question mark right um obviously he's healthy right now which is great um but there's several other guys you know that we don't know for sure um if they are completely healthy if they're even going to play on saturday so yeah i think availability and health um both this week and throughout the entire season is is still number one yeah and in particular you touched on it so let's dive into that right there uh, the two biggest question marks right now floating around the in, the ye old interwebs are uh, Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua, both named co-captain or assistant captain and, and uh, captain um, of the offense, respectively, this week. So shout out to those guys. But uh, neither one of them has really played that much over the last like half of fall camp. A lot of that is for those veteran days, that sort of load management, just keeping guys healthy. Um you know, how much is somebody like Puka or Gunner, who's been through the ringer now for five years, uh, how much are they really going to get out of running the same routes in fall camp? Can their timing really improve with with Jaron that much? Um, it, it totally makes sense. These two guys did pop up on the week one depth chart. They are at the top of the list, as you would expect. 
uh, your starting wide receiver X and wide receiver Y, I believe right there with Keanu Hill as that third wide receiver, although he's getting pushed pretty good by Brandon Cosper and Chase Roberts and Cody Epps in particular for that, that wide receiver three. But Kalani Sitake had, um, let's say, some very in, a very interesting response to a question asked this week about whether or not uh, Gunner and Puka would play this Saturday. Here's Kalani. Yeah, right now everybody's um, we don't we really don't talk about it until we're still. Um, on uh, Wednesday, we'll probably have a better idea for everyone. But, yeah, we're planning on guys playing. Nobody's lost for the season right now. We'll, we'll, we still have some work to do this the next, next couple of days, but we feel good about, about those guys. So nobody's lost for the season, Caleb. We feel good about those guys. But am I reading too much into, like, it felt like Kalani kind of stammered a little bit when, when asked particularly about Puka and Gunner. Should should that be a concern? Um, yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit of reason for a concern, especially because he mentions, you know, the the team will be using these next few days before USF to make sure that certain guys are ready to go for that game. Right. I think any time that you get down to the days as far as trying to get guys back, there's a, there's a little bit of concern there. Right. I mean, if this was a situation where you know, they weren't playing until the following weekend and Kalani is saying, okay, we're working on these next few days. Hopefully, you know, they get a full week of practices next week, right? That's not really the case. Um, you know, there's there's potential that, you know, going into uh, USF, that Gunner and Puka maybe haven't even practiced with the team this week. Um, they, they, you know, they might just be going, hopefully they're on the flight, right? That, that, that's step number one. Um, but uh, who knows if they've even been able to get full practices in. And, and I know... That's always been a big emphasis um, of Kalani Stocky's teams is that, you know, if if guys can't practice during the week, then odds are that, you know, they won't really um, get a lot of playing time on the weekend, um, you know. But is there an exception for guys like Puka, like Gunner, right, who do have so much experience, like you mentioned? Um, you know, I think that's yet to be seen. But I think anytime you're getting down to the days before, yeah. before especially before a week one yeah. game, um, it's getting a little dicey. Um, and so... You know, cause for concern, sure. Is the world ending? No. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I think, and again, officially, Gunnar and Puka still wide receiver one, right, wide receiver two on this team. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is the official word that we've heard. We don't have a reason to necessarily doubt it, other than the fact that they both have been fairly limited for the last yeah. couple of weeks of fall camp. Um, no major issues, no Kalani himself said it. There's been no season-ending injuries, um, nothing like that. And I, I don't think that neither Puka nor Gunner necessarily need even like a full week of practice. You right. want to see them practice as much as possible, but they're probably in that camp where if they're healthy and they're ready to go, they're going to play. Yeah. Um, but you would still like for to see them get a day or two, you know, three days of practice, you know, two days in a walkthrough. Something like that. Like, you still want to see some time with them. Uh, Very interesting that Kalani did say, we'll know more on Wednesday. Mm. Uh, Because BYU is playing on the East Coast, they're traveling out on Thursday, which means their 24-hour no media rule before travel goes into effect on Wednesday. There's no media availability on Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday Mm. is it. That's the only day that we get 
So okay. Kalani says we'll know more on Wednesday. <laughs> Convenient. Yeah. Okay, okay, thanks, Coach. <laughs> um, we won't really be able to ask you about it then, but thanks, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, shout out to the 24-hour rule or the 48-hour <laughs> rule. Everybody has it in college football. I'm not just singling out Kalani or BYU. It's it's everywhere. Um, but I have a lot of thoughts about it. Um, we won't get into it too much because I would like to keep my credential. So, well, um, and if, if you if you guys have more questions or concerns about that, I know um, uh, Nate Hansen, I believe, and uh, wrote was it Nate? No, sorry, am I thinking of it was a Hansen, not Nate though. Uh, now, now I'm gonna mess this up because Nate Hansen's the basketball player. Um, who who's the twenty four seven sports uh, guy? Isn't it Han- Is there a Hansen? I can't remember. Okay, sorry. Somebody somebody put out a very good piece just a it's couple weeks ago. It's on twenty four seven sports though. I believe so. Uh, just okay. just about about the uh, the BYU media situation, um, which I, I thought there were some good shots, good thoughts shared there. Um, but yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. Obviously, you know, it's not always ideal um, that you don't get uh, the uh, the minute to minute updates, right? And yeah, if he says Wednesday and we don't have access on Wednesday, well, guess we'll find out on Saturday. Yes, guess we will find out indeed. Uh, or when Puka posts an Instagram story from Provo on Friday afternoon. <laughs> right, right. That's and you can, the 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 hack here is you can always always look at the pictures they post as they're boarding the plane, right? And and if 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 players that you've you've been questioning are not in those plane pictures, see who's in that photo. Yep, you can you can start asking questions. That's right. That's true. <laughs> little little hashtag media hacks for you. Yeah. Um. I think that's pretty good. We've gone on long enough. We've probably uh, we've probably bored most of our listeners here, but it is officially week one. Football season is here. Pumpkin spice season is here. More importantly, um, let's get out of here for this week. We're going to have another episode this week. Uh, I got a couple interviews lined up for something that I'm really, really excited for. I won't share too much, but um, it's been the talk of the interwebs. We, we do need to at least address it. There was a very ugly incident that occurred Friday night um, in the BYU women's volleyball match against Duke. Uh, Duke's Duke outside hitter, Rachel Richardson, the only black starter on the team, uh, came out and said that there was some heckling coming out of the stands from at least one BYU fan. She claims that uh, her and her black teammates were threatened uh, with physical harm as well as um as well as uh the use of a racial slur directed at her the athletic departments the BYU athletic department and Tom Homo have been very swift in their action of this um I for one personally applaud what they've done in response to this but this is something that should never ever happen Caleb um it's unfortunate that it's 2022 and there are still racist, misogynistic, bigoted, even homophobic thoughts and beliefs in a country the size of the United States of America. Um, I I think all we can really do is echo what the BYU Athletic Department has said, that racism has no place in our society. It has no place on a college campus, BYU or anywhere else. Um, and... It has no place on this podcast either. Um, so do you have any other thoughts on that? No. Uh, yeah. Other than the fact, you know, I, I think, you know, the most, most important thing we can do here is obviously, you know, listen and, and, and believe the experiences that have been shared. I think it was really powerful um, when Rachel, you know, simply put out 
in words over social media what she experienced firsthand. Um, at that point, you know, nobody could speculate anymore. Nobody could say nobody heard it. Um, you're overreacting, right? You know, she she put it all out there for people to hear. Um, and I think that was just really important. And I look forward to hopefully more more voices, um, you know, coming forward and, and just obviously always sharing, you know, transparency is key um, and sharing experiences that happen so that we don't repeat them. Right. Um, I think obviously, yeah, terrible situation um, for people that were around and did nothing. Right. And I think that's something that uh, Tom Holmo really tried to um, emphasize was uh, we need more courage, uh, need people who will stand up um, for what is right and stand up against what is wrong. Right. More importantly. Um, and so, yeah, certainly some good messages being shared. Um, obviously, some also some not 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 as great messages and opinions being shared on social media. So there's a little bit of everything. But I think, you know, when it comes down to it, um, we have to listen to those firsthand experiences. So I'm glad that she shared that. Uh, I'm glad that the, that it did get out there um, and that we're getting a little bit more transparency on the situation so that people can be held accountable. Yeah, we'll we'll uh, I'll, I'll wrap up with this from Tom Holmo speaking with KSL TV's Matt Rascon um, just earlier this week. In an interview, he said it's racism, plain and simple, and we cannot stand for that at BYU. There's a lot of blame that's being thrown around in a lot of places, but the fact is we've got to get better and we will. Um, there's a lot that a lot of us can do, still need to do in this country, a lot of cleanups. Um, if you've got any any questions or any ways that you um feel you would like to stand up to racism, a couple of starting places that I just like to throw out. How to be an anti-racist uh, is a great book. Uh, you can find that on Amazon. It's also available in an audiobook on Audible. Uh, Dewey Gray, Derwin Gray, the former BYU defense back, played briefly in the NFL, now the lead pastor of Transformation Church, um, also has a book out there. Um, it's called um, uh, How to Heal Our Racial Divide, What the Bible Says and How We Can be more Christ-like. Um, that's available on Amazon as well by Dewey Gray. Um, and if you're looking for something free, alongtalk.org. It's a long talk about an uncomfortable truth um, by a group of former Division One athletes um, who uh, who just talked about the existence of racism in America and what we can all do to stand up for it. Because it's not just the job of minorities in this country. Um, but it's all of our jobs to end racism. End racism now, this has no place in our society. In the words of the great philosophers, uh, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan, please be excellent to each other. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the KSL.com Cougar Bee podcast. Thank you to Caleb Turner for joining me. Um, you can follow us, KSL.com um kslcom sports on twitter on instagram um give us a follow on the gram because that's that's where Let's the work is right now kslcom sports on instagram uh -huh. a lot of good work being it. out there by caleb um and uh Let's we will it. talk to you later this week uh-huh rock and royal uh, uh rock and navy uh uh know y'all with me uh, uh let's get it baby uh Rockin' Royal, uh, rockin' Navy, uh, know you with me, let's get it, baby. Boys just came back from their mission, we going crazy. Kalani got no problems, you could call him Jay-Z.
best fans up in the nation since the 1980s. Strength staff keep us working, yeah, we never lazy. Touchdown, 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 Cougs is who they want now. Red is up state, and we don't do no uptown.